Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 67, Thursday, December 12th, 2019, less than two weeks until Christmas and less than three until we say goodbye to 2019 and hello to a brand new decade. Things have cooled off a bit in the sports betting world since what is most likely the busiest period of the entire calendar year. Once the college football regular season ends and the wall-to-wall college hoops action dies down after Thanksgiving week, we get a nice little reprieve before college football bowl games start up, and we still have a lot of sports going on. I mean, there's a little break in college football right now, but college basketball is still going on. It is slowing down, though, uh, with final exams coming up and, and the holidays and before teams dive into the meat of their conference schedules. I'll be riding solo in this one today. No guests on this week's Doggy Juice Pod episode. I look back to check, and I haven't gone without a guest since episode 52. That's 15 episodes ago. And that was back on August 29th, right when the season was starting, the week uh, before the NFL season started, actually. And, And then I got back to going back and listening to some of that episode. And man, if you go back to the 37 minute mark on episode 52 and listen, I gave out my. My NFL best bets on buy on, sell on teams for the 2019 season. It might have been the most beautiful two to three minutes in Doggy Juice Pod history. Uh, the week, let me see, the week before this year's NFL season started, episode 52 at the 37 minute mark, um, I gave out the Ravens, talked about Lamar, gave out the 49ers, and told listeners to sell the Browns, Bears, and Rams. Probably the peak of my sad life so far. So I encourage you all to go give that a listen. Episode 52 at the 37 minute mark. Anyways, I'm riding solo today for the first time in a while, which is good because I keep saying I want to keep the episode shorter, but they always seem to end up being at least 50 to 60 minutes. And I really want to keep them at 30 to 40 minutes max moving forward. So hopefully doing this pod by myself today will get me back on track to doing that. No guarantees though. All right. So This episode of the Doggy Juice Pod is going to be a mixed bag. I'll start with some quick college basketball thoughts, then I'll dive into some macro points on handicapping college football bowl games, and then I'll also give out a couple of my early bowl positions, and then we'll conclude with a look at the NFL Week 15 card, including one of my favorite plays of the NFL season. All right, let's crack open a brewski and jump right in. College basketball totals. If the Grim Reaper paid me a visit and said, you get to live, but you can only bet on one thing for the rest of your life. That's how I imagine the Grim Reaper is going to sound. If if he did ask me that, that would suck. That would suck a lot. But without hesitation, my answer would be college basketball totals. It's year in, year out, the softest, most or at least non-exotic market out there that is widely available to bet into. And the doggy juice model, it's on a major heater this week on totals. I think I'm on like a 15-1 or 16-1 run or something since the weekend. And unfortunately for everyone else, um, I've only really told Joe Rogers and the Danimal and a few others about the heater over the past couple of days, and they've been able to hop onto a few of the plays. But uh, when you go on heaters or cold streaks, and those are absolutely inevitable no matter who you are if you bet enough. And even if you do get that visit from the Grim Reaper, and if you choose to play only college hoops totals, you're still going to get those those inevitable losing streaks. But when you do go on those streaks, you have to keep your bankroll management in check. No whale plays or any Vegas Dave bullshit, whether it's Clemson, Ohio State in the college football playoff or the under 146 on a Wednesday night Colorado State, San Diego State college basketball game. The money prints the same, and you're 
if you're doubling your bet size and if you're betting games, uh, more games than you norm- normally would be when you're on a heater, you're just going to crash and burn. You're setting yourself up for failure when you do that. And the same goes for when you're losing. If you're on a losing streak, then you shouldn't be martingaling or increasing your bet size to try to get back your losses. If anything, you should be lowering your, your bet size while trying to dig more into your handicapping process to see if you're missing something or if there really is just a truly, if it's a bad patch of variance, which happens. All right, I'll, I'm going to get off my, my uh, temporary soapbox now. Uh, see, this is what happens when I don't have a guest on the pod with me, but this stuff is important. But back to college hoops totals. Like I said, hoops unders and hoops totals in, in general, um, those are soft markets. And I, I do find that I play more unders than overs, just the way things tend to go. Although lately it's it's starting to change a little bit, but these lines do move quickly in the market, especially once limits raise. Lines usually go up offshore uh, the day before the games actually are played, usually in the early to mid-afternoon central time is where I'm located, but the market really opens up early on the morning of game day, and it pays to be up early getting at those numbers. So how does one handicap college basketball totals? Well, for starters, if it was easy, then everyone would be doing it, and we would have a perfectly efficient marketplace if that was the case. And as we know, the offerings in the marketplace are all shaped by the perception of the market itself. And obviously, the market is not perfectly efficient, although it is incredibly sharp and more so now than it was even five or ten years ago. I haven't been doing this for ten years, but it's what I hear from, from a lot of veterans. But um, it's nothing – it doesn't compare – it's not even in the same neighborhood as the efficiency of the NFL markets. Uh, obviously, NFL markets are incredibly sharp and – very difficult to win, especially in the long run. But um, uh, setting lines on totals, it's obviously a lot more nuanced than I could explain in even a series of podcasts. But some of the most important stats that I look at are points per 100 possessions. That's like yards per play in football for those who originate their own lines in, in football. But obviously pace and tempo are really important when you're setting a, a total. And also situational tempo. Situational tempo means a lot. There's a lot of differentiating two-point baskets from three-point baskets and looking at teams' percentages of shots in each of those categories. It's definitely also not all science when looking at totals, although I think handicappers really should do whatever they can to minimize the chance of letting any of their own personal biases get in the way. But there is a certain amount of art to it, and sometimes being artful with your thinking is the best avenue to dig up something new uh, that the betting market may not be fully aware of and then exploit it accordingly and make some money. And just today, I found a perfect example to illustrate that point. This morning, I came across some interesting info from Clear Data Sports on neutral court totals that I'm going to share with you. And obviously, we, we see a lot of neutral court games early on in the college basketball season with all these holiday tournaments and stuff. We're obviously about to get into conference play, especially more next month. We're not going to see as many neutral courts, but this will come into play during conference tournament season and obviously um, March Madness as well. And it's something to keep in mind for any neutral court games that we see uh, moving forward. But props to Clear Data Sports for what I'm about to go over here. Obviously, we know that logically it makes sense for teams to have a tougher time scoring on a neutral court just simply due to the unfamiliar sight lines and the surroundings and just the general unfamiliarity with the venue as a whole, and according to Clear Data Sports, on neutral courts over the past four years, teams have gone under the total in 1,282 of the 2,464 games that have been played. And that's 
52%. And they say that statistically speaking, they're over 90% confident that this 2% edge is not random. And in the games played on one of, a, of the two teams' home courts over that same time period, unders are 7,379 in 7,389, which is 49.97%, a.k.a. You know, roughly 50, exactly 50%, which we do, you would expect. So you'd think, oh, okay, so 52% on neutral court unders is a betting edge. Well, no, it's not, not necessarily, because you have to remember that we're laying $11 to make $10, because you know when you're betting minus 110 lines, and in order to break even, we have to hit that 52.38% over time, you know, win 11 out of, out of 20, uh, which is just under 0.4% short of that 52% on neutral court unders that I just told you about a little bit ago, aka 0.4% from breaking even. But Clear Data Sports took a subset of that four-year sample on neutral courts where, you know, it hit 52% of the time on the under. And um, they looked for additional info that could lead us to something actionable, and that was looking at specific point ranges. And they found that for games in which the total was 149 or higher, unders went 381 and 312, which is 55%. And that's over that over their sample size, over that same period. And they're fairly certain, clear data, that statistically speaking, this edge is not random, but rather it's a mispricing by the bookies. So to tie this all up in a bow, according to Clear Data Sports Research, it appears prudent for betters to look for mispricing on the under first when looking at games played on a neutral court, especially when you see a high-range total of 149 or higher. All right, I've dove into college basketball totals in previous episodes too, so go back and check those out. And I will continue to do so in upcoming episodes as well, especially as we begin turning most of our attention towards college hoops. But for now, let's talk about handicapping college football bowl games. Hello! College football bowl games are set, and we have our lines and totals for all of them. There are 40 games in total beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Central Time next Friday, December 20th, and ending with the college Football National Championship at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 7 o'clock Central Time on Monday, January 13th, 2020 at Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans. The 40 college football bowl games is one of the most unique handicapping periods of the entire year and can be one of the most profitable for bettors, especially due to the sheer length of time that these lines are, are up on the betting boards, some for nearly a month. This time of year is especially profitable for those who can stay on top of team news, you know, be all over that Twitter. And it's that time of year also where we all have to play amateur psychologist. And as a psychology minor back in college myself, I personally enjoy doing that, trying to figure out these teams, because without question, by far the most important factor when it comes to bowl games, besides your numbers, of course, is motivation. And to that end, the first question you have to present yourself when handicapping is, what were these teams' expectations at the start of the season? What were their expectations at the end of the season? Some teams like Baylor, Utah, and Georgia are in a clear letdown spot uh, where they're, you know, they're one game away from playing in the college football playoff. But other teams are static to be in a bowl game. Maybe they've, they're in a bowl game for the first time ever. Maybe they're in a bowl game for the first time with that group or with that coaching staff. It could be a lot of reasons, but especially for teams that went into the season you know, with the goal of making a bowl game and they did it, you know, maybe they're going to come into it, and this is like, you know, this is what they wanted that bowl game. But then you can look at a team that's playing in, you know, some especially a location where they maybe don't want to be. Especially if you're looking at teams that maybe wanted to go 
somewhere nice and stuff for a bowl game. They're stuck in, no offense to Detroit, but stuck in Detroit in December. Um, Things like that, angles like that, because motivation really does go a long way in these games. But um, So really diving into the psychology of it all and trying to get into the minds of the players, uh, the coaches, and the trainers, that's key. And and looking at their preseason expectations and where they expect it to be at this time of year will go a long way into tapping into their psychology. And another thing to note that is more of a development in recent years is players who are more smartly deciding to sit out of these glorified exhibition games that just makes money for all the old people and the sponsors. And every year we see more and more players decide to sit out their bowl game and in order to preserve themselves for the NFL draft. You see some wild line moves occurring in games when the news of this drops. So for now, for our processes here as handicappers, uh, which is making money, of course, that's our that's our goal, we have to look and try to diagnose teams and their players heading into their bowl games. And Jeff Ma, uh, the Bet the Process podcast, he posed a very interesting question this week on, on their episode this week regarding taking early bowl positions in games where there's a chance that a key player may later decide to set out for one of the teams, even when your numbers have the game, you know, the line exactly where the market has it. Um, and contrast that with the issue of tying up capital for a few weeks when you're tying up, up uh, capital, which is another important consideration when making these bets. And I know some pros have come out there, like Spanky. He's gone on record saying that it's just a bad idea altogether to tie up capital for that long, just simply due to the opportunity cost. But Ma brings up an interesting point, and I think that the answer... Um, it obviously depends on the situation and your confidence level that the market is going to change. Um, but And this type of decision is going to be greatly enhanced if you have a couple of other intangible angles that point to that particular play in that particular game where you're looking to maybe play on a, the possibility of, of a, a key player announcing that they're not going to play. Um, it's hard, though, because you don't want to eat VIG. And, you know, there's and play back the other side, which you may have to do if, if the player ends up playing. But it is worthwhile if, if you think that it that the game could be uh, advantageous to you to play, and especially when you assess your own probability on the player not playing in that game. So um, that's a really important consideration and, and a more recent development as players kind of listen to their agents, think about that NFL draft coming up and, and the meaningless value of these of these bowl games, or a lot of them. And another big college bowl game handicapping consideration is the coaches. Not just the coaches, but the assistant coaches as well. They can be distracted too, looking, you know, maybe they're, taking a new job, looking to move their family somewhere new next year. Uh, look at teams with new coaches, lame duck coaches, teams with a coach coaching his last game there that applies to Peterson with Washington. He's not going to be coaching the team next year, but he is going to coach their bowl game against Boise State, his former team. So that you know that's one to maybe look at. But um, but the substitute teacher effect with coaches who, you know, the players know that coach is not going to be there. How much are you really going to want to practice and care about this bowl game and turn your attention to it and break down the X's and O's when you know that the coaching staff that you're working with right now is not going to be deciding whether or not you start next year. Um, so those are all considerations. And an interesting angle from oddsmaker Kenny White is to look to play on a team where a coach is le- has already left for a better job. Players tend to want to show that coach what they're missing out on and, and play hard for the interim coach a lot of the time, and that would apply to Florida Atlantic uh, against SMU. They are, you know, Lane Kiffin left to take the Ole Miss job, and they, they actually hired Taggart, so that maybe it doesn't totally apply, but that what Kenny White said there does apply because the coach left for a better job, a clearly better job. You're never going to get that with a higher-level team, obviously, because 
know, coaches aren't leaving the high level teams usually to take over a coaching job somewhere else. So usually, you know, you apply that to smaller teams like the the Florida Atlantics of the world. But when a coach is fired or retired, uh, players can still play hard if the coach sticks around to coach a bowl game as well. And when a coach retires but sticks around, according to Kenny White, teams are eight and two against the spread the last ten times in this spot. And doesn't just or no, it does apply to Washington. Yeah, yeah Washington and um, in the situation I described in the, in the bowl game against Boise State with Peterson. Uh, look to play against teams with interim coaches when they're not sure who their next coach is going to be next year. I kind of touched on that um, just a little bit ago. Uh, but motivated underdogs, they're the absolute best in bowl season. I love it so much. And another important tenant before I dish out a couple of early bowl positions is never look to play big favorites on the money line in bowl season. There's just too much variability in these games. But definitely, you know, by, by the same token, on the converse, definitely look to play underdogs on the money line as well as on the point spread because some ugly dogs are going to win in bowl season. We're going to see that happen. And I got a couple dogs for you here, little early positions that I'm on in bowl games. The first one locally here, Illinois catching a touchdown, plus seven against Cal in the Red Box Bowl at Levi's Stadium. I actually don't expect too big of a home crowd advantage for Cal because nobody from Berkeley likes traveling to Santa Clara. And Illinois is super excited to be in this spot. This is their first bowl game in over five years, their first one under Lovey Smith. I think the Fighting Illini catching a full touchdown in that spot is a great look here. I have this game lined to three, and that's after giving Cal a whole point for familiarity just with the region and less travel miles. Um, But Illinois, plus seven. Marshall, plus 17 and a half against Central Florida in the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. My power ratings have that one. Central Florida, 13 and a half. But do they really care about being in this game? I don't think so. I think Marshall does. So Marshall, plus 17 and a half with the, the number value, too. It's a plus EV play in that game. And then in terms of the big games and the college football playoff, I'm leaning the way of Ohio State and Oklahoma at the current market numbers. Ohio State plus three would be a take, as would Oklahoma plus 14 for me. All right, we'll be breaking down the bowl games in depth here on the Doggy Juice Pod next week. But before we get to the NFL, we, of course, have our official final college football game of the regular season this Saturday when Army squares off against number 23 Navy at Lincoln Financial Field in Philly. Navy is a 10.5-point favorite, and despite the low total of 40, we still are projected to get more scoring in this one than we are for the Eagles-Redskins game down in the D.C. area the following day. Our resident degenerate, Doggy Juice Pod degenerate, the Danimal, told me to tell you all that, quote, the Danimal is large on Navy minus 10 with the backing of his totals guy, end quote, my numbers disagree with the Danimal here, so we will be going oppo in this one. It is far from the first time we've won oppo, and it's definitely going to be far from the last. But uh, it's just a simple numbers play for me, and I did get it at, at plus 11, uh, where it was, it was at that price for a good portion of midweek trading this week. So maybe we'll get this one to land 10, and he's not as mad if I win, or maybe it'll land 11, and I won't be as mad if he wins. Uh, but it's just a simple numbers play for me in a spot where I think Navy should be laying closer to a touchdown. They do bring... Navy motivation with Army having won three straight after Navy dominated the series for many years. But in a low-scoring game with Army underrated by the market, I'm on Army plus 11 in this one. And uh, that's going to do it. All right, let's close out the pod with a look at NFL 
week 15. Finally, the NFL gets it right. We have an eight-game early slate on Sunday, followed by a five-game late afternoon slate. Just beautiful. And then the next week, we start getting Saturday NFL games with a nice three-game all-day Saturday slate at the same time as college football and college hoops. It's going to be awesome. The Titans lead the NFL in yards per play over the last seven weeks, which is crazy. They're 6-1 and one straight up and against the spread in their last seven games. Everything's changed for them ever since um, Ryan Tannehill took over a quarterback for Marcus Mariota. They've opened up that offense. The defense is really rounding into form. And I think Mark, Mike Vrabel is a very good coach. So Tennessee rounding into form at the right time. They're three-point favorites against the Texans in a huge AFC South matchup. And I previewed that game and all the other early slate games for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News. Make sure you check out that article. I dropped some interesting trends and some betting nuggets in that article. But I am on one big play this week. It's one of my favorite plays of the year. And that is the Chargers, Chargers, Chargers. Go Chargers, go! This is my favorite play of the week. The Chargers underperformed for most of the year and lost all but one of their games by one score, I believe. But now they're starting to finally round into form at the right time and play like people thought they would be all season long. Obviously, we're dealing with Anthony Lynn as a coach, so that tempers the expectations accordingly. But they're playing the Vikings at home in this spot. And I really, really, I mean, I have the Chargers favored in this game, um, almost flipped. And obviously, that's including not giving them a, a big home field advantage. And this is also coming from a guy who's a, I'm a pro Minnesota guy. I have Minnesota's one of the few teams I have futures on. I have their season win total over this year. And I find myself betting on the Vikings uh, more often than betting against them. But this is a spot where you cannot ignore the betting value in this spot. And I also like the spot in general on its own. But um, the Chargers, a few more reasons why I like this. Uh, they have a lot of players back now. They've got their, their skill position guys healthy for the most part. I mean, Henry's there. Um, Hunter Henry, the tight end. Obviously, Melvin Gordon with the holdout. He's back. And then on defense, their safeties are back. Derwin James and Phillips, they're all back now. Um, and they're just playing well. And the market has not caught up to this team yet. You saw last week they blew out the Jaguars. And on the flip side, you have the Vikings, who obviously they won at home their last game. But Kirk Cousins, just not good in those non-noon starts when he's when he's not on, the, on his body clock. He's a pretty OCD guy. This is well documented. You can, can look it up. He's also not as good at uh, playing on grass. And this is a bad start time for him. Um, the Chargers, you know, they've lost three close games this year where they dominated the stats against conference or divisional teams, the Broncos, Chiefs, and Raiders. They ran out Green Bay when they played against the Packers um, in a similar spot where the Packers were, were uh, field goal favorites. I believe it was even north of a field goal in that game. I was on the Chargers in that one. And um, not expecting the Chargers, obviously, to necessarily blow out the Vikings here, but they definitely could. And I love the Chargers in this spot going back home against the Vikings, catching two and a half points. I did find a three with a little bit of extra juice. Um, I don't think this one will hit three because I know, you know some other sharp guys, will probably you know, numbers guys will be on it as well. Um, so nothing wrong with a little position now. I would definitely take a, a good position on the money line at plus money. I was able to find plus 125 this week. There's still pl- plenty of uh, plus 120s out there on the Chargers, but the Chargers are the doggy juice NFL week 15 best bet and uh that is you know coming from a guy who's a pro minnesota guy too and speaking of teams that i was on before they became cool you know the vikings um the 49ers is one of them and 
Um, I do think that they're in for a letdown spot this week. I'm a little bit worried about it. Um, one of my first articles for Bet Chicago Bet Indiana News, I, I wrote about the Niners, their season win total. I gave them out at plus 525 to win the NFC West before the season started. They're now minus 200 to win the division. So for those of you who followed that bet, it's not the worst idea to take a small slice of the Seahawks at plus 170, plus 180 right now. Um, but about the Niners this week, this is a supreme letdown spot for them against the Falcons. That line has gone between 10.5 and, and 11. Numbers-wise, I think the line's perfectly where it should be. But uh, if anything, actually, the, the Niners should be a, a slight tick uh, about I'd be like 12 or just a slightly above 12. But um, when you look at all the intangibles here, for starters, it's the angle that I always like to talk about, teams returning home. This works more in NBA and and, and Major League Baseball. But teams are returning home from from long trips, fading them in their first game back. If you think about it just from the simple angle of, you know, when you return from a vacation, these athletes are human beings, they have lives. But think about when you return home from a vacation, all the things that you have to pay attention to, um, you know, catching up on your laundry, or although I'm sure these athletes aren't worried about laundry, but it's, it's also the coaches and the trainers as well. But but um, just tidying up all your loose ends, you know, maybe you got to catch up, get coffee with an old friend, or maybe take care of the house, go through your bills, talk to your agent, Yada, yada. There could be so many reasons, but just think about what your life is like when you come back from a long trip. And the Niners, they played out on the East Coast and stayed out there last week in Florida. They did it earlier in the year. I talked about this in in the podcast last week, too. Uh, They stayed out in Youngstown, Ohio, in between weeks one and two, and they stayed out in Florida uh, before their game against the Saints last week after their Ravens win, or sorry, their loss against the Ravens. And, and, um, and it was a good opportunity for the Niners to bond together and stuff, but they were just away from home that much longer. And I think they're going to be distracted coming home. And also just the fact that this is a classic letdown spotter for that big win against the Saints. Obviously, it's kind of hard to get up after that for a game against the Falcons who are just having a down year. Um, and then also injuries with the Niners. You can't ignore that. They're starting centers out for the season. Richard Sherman's going to be out the cornerback, leader on the defense, and also one of their linebackers, I believe, is going to be out. Uh, so they are... Uh, kind of ripped up by injuries and the Falcons you know they can go in there with no pressure and stay within the number in this game I'm not saying that you should bet the Falcons in this spot but at plus 11 you know there's worse things I think you can do or at least you know watch the start of the game and kind of go from there but I definitely would not be laying the points uh, with the Niners this week although I will certainly be cheering for them because obviously we have uh, the divisional bet uh, plus 525 to win the NFC West um, in terms of other bets, I, I just have a, sm- a few small um, market positions, but there's nothing wrong with taking the Bears plus four and a half. I think it's down to plus four now um, for a small slice of pie there. Green Bay, Joe Rogers, about Chicago, but Indiana News, my colleague there, he wrote a uh, game preview for the Bears-Packers game. The Packers, kind of, it's kind of well-known among sharp circles, I guess you could say, that, that Green Bay is just a team that's totally ripe for regression, just like the Rams were this year. Um, a couple other teams, but you know the Bears at the start of the year as well, um, and the and the Packers are ripe for regression for a lot of the same reasons that the Bears were at the start of the year. The Packers are six and one in one score games this year. They're plus ten in turnover margin per the aforementioned Bet the Process podcast. They said that uh, the Packers they're they've missed one field goal this year. Their opponents have missed five. Just simple things like that are due for regression. Uh, so nothing wrong with betting on the Bears this week uh, if you're looking to go that direction against the Packers. But for me, this week is all about teasers, and you can read more about my reasoning for these plays in my weekly teaser of the week article, or my weekly teaser article for Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News. We swept the board with uh, the plays in that article last week, and this week I have a bunch of teaser plays. I've been fortunate enough to find 
good numbers on these. My absolute favorite teaser is the Saints minus two paired with the Patriots minus two and a half, essentially asking both those teams to win outright at minus 110 odds. Obviously, they both have to win by a field goal um, to cash that. So it's, it's way better odds than putting a money line parlay down on, on those two teams this week. So at minus 110, getting the base, basically asking both those teams to win outright is hugely plus EV. The Saints minus two with the Chargers plus eight and a half. The Chargers, no surprise, are a massive teaser candidate for me this week. Um, the Saints, also excellent. You could tease them down through the seven and the three on Monday night football against the Colts. So that's them to win, you know, essentially the game outright. Uh, the Chargers, plus eight and a half with the Patriots, with the Saints, and also the Bills. You could tease them up in a really low total against the Steelers on Sunday night. I think that's 36, 36 and a half that game. And honestly, I kind of like the under in that game as well. Um, but betting it under on 36, I mean, they can accidentally get there. But uh, numbers-wise, it actually points to to an underplay, uh, believe it or not. And odds makers are kind of reluctant to to price the game of their total lower than 36 just because the, it's such a popular corridor uh, for numbers to land on above 36. But um, I actually think that, you know, in a low-scoring game there, that's like your prototypical teaser, teasing the Bills up. Uh, you can catch them at, at plus 2.5, so you can tease them up through the 3 and the 7. In a low-scoring game like that, it's a great spot to be in. Uh, so including the Bills with the Patriots and the Chargers and the Saints. Uh, even the Cardinals at home against the Browns, you could tease them up to plus 8.5. It's not as good of a play, especially with a higher total, but... Uh, ask them to keep that game within a one-score game against the Browns, who I don't think will be looking to win by any particular margin, especially with the Ravens on deck. And then the Cowboys also got there. I mean, I'm not including that, but there's nothing wrong. And I may end up playing a little bit uh, with the Cowboys on teasers, but they hit plus one and a half in the marketplace, and you could tease them up to plus seven and a half against the Rams. There's worse spots than that uh, to do that, math-wise at least. Um, but I'm not really looking to go that route. The main ones are the the Saints the Patriots, which you just can't get in the marketplace anymore. Uh, but the Saints, the Chargers, and the Bills, those are the big three. Cardinals, also good luck as well. And that's going to do it for this week of the Doggy Juice Pod. As usual, um, follow me at Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram. I appreciate the ratings and the reviews and any feedback that I get. Uh, next week's episode, we'll dive into college football bowl games, really get into breaking them down. And I'm also looking to bring on the top-class finish boys from the top class finish podcast uh, bring them on soon to break down the champions league knockout stage the draw for that is this monday night hoping that uh that my manchester city squad uh, gets a favorable draw um, but i'm gonna bring those boys on to break down the knockout round that doesn't even start till february though so we do have some time but um be on the lookout for that draw on monday all right well that's gonna do it for this episode of the doggy juice pod as always thank you for listening Really appreciate it. Good luck with your bets this week, and I'll talk to you all next week. Take care. Doggy Juice out.